So good to see y'all back today. I wondered if we were going to be here, so I'm thankful. Uh, no, we heard from Tabitha last week, and I'm thankful that she kind of, I feel like she kind of set the bar low when she said, um, we won't be hearing from theologians or Lifeway celebrities. So I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, although I was hoping Priscilla Shire, you know, would have just happened to show up today. But she didn't. So, it's me, right? Um, as I looked back um, and thought about what Tabitha, how she introduced Second Peter, um, I loved the know, believe, remember. Those three themes are going to be going through Second Peter. Um, and also... I kind of had some comparisons that I did as I looked at 1 Peter and 2 Peter and thought about 1 Peter was a letter of consolation and 2 Peter is a letter of warning. 1 Peter was an encouragement for the church and 2 Peter was trying to weed out error in the church. In 1 Peter, it was danger without, and in 2 Peter, it's danger within. So um, I thought those were some helpful little insights, having studied 1 Peter as we go into 2 Peter, to try to understand the context of the letter. Um, So we've talked about false teachers, or, or who we're to guard against. And I, sometimes in my head, and I told the leaders this morning, sometimes the biggest false teacher I come across is just right here. And as I think through our passage, what traditions have I been brought up with that are outside the truth of God's word? And I thought, I can remember when I was 13 years old, I went to a friend's house, and I don't know why, but this 13-year-old to me was like a theologian because she read her Bible every day. And she said, you can do it too. You read a little bit from the Old Testament and a little bit from the New Testament. And I said, okay. And she said, but you can't stop. And I was like, what? And she said, oh, you can't ever stop until you're done because God will get mad at you. And I was like, so I, that has been, and so I didn't, um, but that was one of the false teachings that have stayed in my mind. So, um, and, and I can remember um, when my parents would fight, it, I would think to myself, it's because I didn't go to church. Everything kind of went back to my wrong thinking about God. So let's get into God's word. We're going to be in 2 Peter 1, 1 and 2. So we're not going far, but we're in the opening there. And I loved the way we do our study. And I told the leaders this morning, 
the way I set my outline up, as you can, you want to flip through it or just look at it. Usually I go verse by verse, but the way I did this outline is that I want us to know the truth about Jesus, right? Even you've just heard me say false things that I viewed, and and I believe that my false thinking, my sin nature comes up so quick. And we always need the truth of God's word to be there, to be preeminent over those false teachings and false memories or whatever false traditions that we had growing up. So I love that we get to study the truth about Jesus. So let me pray as we get started. Jesus, we want to know you. We are asking that you would speak through your word, that you would speak by your spirit, and that you would speak through weakness. We are banking on it, and Lord, that's why we show up today. Um, We get to enjoy great fellowship and um, small group time, but Lord, we are just wanting and desiring to hear from you so that we can be changed women as we go back out of this place. And um, we are just asking you to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me read from Second Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge, there's that word, that we had to highlight, right, in our homework? Knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I guess our aim for me this morning is that we will praise and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. As we know more truth, it will preempt us to praise him and to serve him. So our first... um, thing we want to do is know Jesus. We get to know Jesus through his word and by his spirit. We daily need right thinking about him so we can live rightly in his world. Just from First and Second Peter, we learn these truths about Jesus. So we had to write in our homework in the section about what did we learn about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So these are some of the things we learned. Um, Jesus was the greatest servant. The path to glory was through unjust suffering for him. Jesus suffered the penalty of my sin. Jesus secured my nearness to God. Jesus is Christ. Peter says that. And Christ is Messiah, chosen anointed one. So Peter was affirming that this indeed was the Messiah that the Jews were looking for. Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. We learned that in the first verse, but it's in Second Peter about five times that Jesus is Savior. Jesus gives his people righteousness and faith. Jesus is Lord about 15 verses in 2 Peter, call Jesus Lord. 
knowledge of Jesus comes through the eyes of Peter's personal experience. He was an eyewitness, and he experienced time with Jesus, as well as the eyes of the past prophets in the Old Testament. Remember, remember Peter wrote that they spoke words from God as they were carried along by his Spirit. Scripture is always more authoritative than anyone's experience. Revelation from the Scripture surpasses experience. But my experience does join with that revelation. Even if Christ does nothing else in my personal experience, even if he never does anything else, he has proven himself through his word and through the work that he's done on the cross. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the Bible, Peter's trying to tell everybody, the Bible is a book about Jesus. The Old Testament predicted him. The Gospels revealed him. In Acts, he was preached. And in the letters, we're studying a letter, he's explained. We want to know the truth that is set forth about Jesus. So I put three truths on your outline that I feel came right from these first two verses. Truth instructs that all believers enjoy equal standing before God because our righteousness was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And in some verses, it calls it precious faith. Our our faith is precious, but it was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Truth encourages believers to enjoy abundant grace because by enjoying it, we affirm that it is by grace that we have right right standing before God and not self-effort. And then I give some passages that you can also look on that kind of affirm these truths in other parts of the Bible. Again, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And Peter wants his readers to know that. The third truth that we learn just even from this introduction about God. Truth instructs that after Jesus suffered for sin, he was exalted and he's reigning Lord and he will return. These are the truths that we learn from 2 Peter. I would love for each of you to Google sometime just References of Jesus speaking about his return. And, you know, you think about how Peter didn't absorb it fully until after Calvary. These things that Jesus was talking about. This is from Luke 12, 38. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. So at the time when Jesus spoke it, Peter didn't really absorb the the, the full meaning of that. We can rightly view our servanthood when we see Jesus as reigning Lord and the good master. And may he find us ready. 
So as we look at how to know the truth of Jesus and knowing Jesus, Peter, who knew Jesus, he could know himself better, right? And more fully, and he could um, make himself known to others. So he's explaining himself and describing himself in these first two verses. Remember, he's got nothing to hide now. We know what happened in the Gospels. He denied his Lord, and he's um, got nothing to hide. And this is the way he describes himself. Simon Peter, a man given the name Simon by John, given the name Peter by Jesus. Such a humble introduction a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ that's how he starts his letter Peter describes his identity his identity is wrapped up in humility as a servant with authority as the apostle one who was called by Jesus and I love that quote I think I put it on your outline by Crawford Loritz servanthood is an identity it's not a strategy It's an identity because our master, Lord Jesus, was the ultimate suffering servant. Humility and service defined by Jesus in Matthew 20, 26 through 28. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. 1 Corinthians, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Peter is a bondservant to Jesus. He knows he's at the end of his life, and his life is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Paul says it this way at the end of his life. I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Peter, at this point in his life, had the right balance of humility and authority. He knew when to sit down and when to stand up. And he had struggled with that while Jesus was on the earth. He learned by the end of his life when to sit down and when to stand up. He struggled with that balance most of his life. But again, once he had the view of Calvary, things He had more balance in his life. I remember Pastor Frost talking about the tension and struggle we face as we read the Gospels concerning the final days of Christ. We don't want Christ to die, but we need him to. You can imagine this being especially hard for Peter as he saw Christ glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we're going to study that. Um, as we dig deeper into chapter 1, he didn't want to leave the mountain. Peter wanted to set up, you know, little tents up there. But Jesus brought them down because he knew the path to his glory was through suffering. The path to our glory was through Jesus' suffering. His suffering has brought us rejoicing. And by his wounds, we have been healed. Peter's view of Christ changed after Calvary. Peter was transformed by the resurrected Christ. While Jesus was alive, 
Peter lived in close proximity. But when Jesus ascended, Peter enjoyed the Spirit taking up residence in his heart. When Peter got to the end of himself, after his third denial and then the crucifixion, he got filled up personally by Jesus restoring him and then his spirit at Pentecost. His power and authority changed after Pentecost. But Peter knew that Jesus lifts the head of the humble and he gives grace to the humble. So just as Peter introduced himself with the right balance of humility and authority, he sees grace as a necessity. You'll see that he says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Peter knew that grace was needed in abundance. He dealt with personal failure, relational difficulty, inconsistency, a big mouth, a little backbone, a big ego, and a hope of a bright future for ministry. He lived with the memory of denial and failure, but the Spirit came at Pentecost and gave him power to stand and preach. He became a vessel of grace, and his weakness became the platform that Jesus began building his church on. Grace allows us to see ourselves correctly. And I wonder, when I think about Peter, and he started seeing himself correctly, the freedom that that brought him. And when we look at the life of Peter in the Gospels and in Acts, we get the full view of how he had to let tradition go. You know, Peter grew up as a, as a Jewish person who practiced, practiced the Jewish laws and traditions. So this was something that he had to let go constantly is his view of tradition and the new way that Christ was bringing. He was letting go the self-effort and viewing himself through the lens of grace. Because of Christ, we have a right relationship with God. Christ fixed our sin problem that started in the garden. When we think back to Genesis, everything was perfect. When God created the garden and put Adam and Eve in the garden, they were enjoying a right relationship. But human failure happened quickly. That human failure needed a supernatural solution. Someone from outside of humanity came to humanity to fix the problem. Through Jesus, we have a restored relationship. In 1 Peter, we were called, because of that restored relationship, not just servants but chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. 
And Paul puts it this way in Romans 8. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. So grace becomes the key that unlocks God's resources for us individually. You know, I had this little new little card that gets me into places now in the church that I didn't have access before. And I thought, you know, that's what grace does. And it's so individual. It's form-fitting, grace is. And I thought, when I grew up, when somebody said the gospel, I thought they were talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know. Um, And when they mentioned grace... That was my friend Sherry's mother's name. So that's what I thought they were talking about. So, so as you think about the gospel and trying to absorb it, the gospel is the good news that Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. And so when I think of grace, I think of grace as I get to open that present that gift individually. Grace is the personal way God knows my need and sees to my need. So um, just to kind of help us as we think through what grace and the gospel, sometimes you hear those words and you don't quite understand them. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. That's That's what Peter says. Through the knowledge of God. Again, we need the truth about Jesus so that grace and peace can be ours. Peter knew that we needed grace in abundance. He knew grace in abundance is a necessity as we finish up living life on this earth. Here we are still living in the presence of sin. So we need grace for the day and grace for the moment because we don't know what a day is going to hold. But we know he's using those things to bring us to the end of ourselves. Okay? So we know Jesus, and we got to know Peter. So now we're going to dig a little deeper and talk about ourselves, right? Because we want it to take application in our lives. Because I know Jesus, I can see myself more clearly And let myself be known more authentically. So, my identity. Peter had the right balance by the end of his life of humility and authority. Do I? Do I see that he is still bringing me to the end of myself even now at 52? I thought it would all look a lot better by now. Um but he's still using doctor's waiting rooms, doctor's appointments to bring me to the end of myself. Um, all sorts of things. So he's, he's still working in us during this transformation time, right? Until we see him face to face. So he's called us to be a servant of Christ. Humility is wrapped up in the model of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He became poor so that I became rich. He decreased so that I could increase. So as I serve, right, my husband, my family, I'm a servant of Christ. 
I'm serving my friends. I serve in a ministry. And it's all for the glory of Christ. But here's my problem. I end up serving the wrong master. I serve my appetite, my mood, or my kids' moods. My anger, my lust of the flesh, my agenda, my comfort. I serve others' expectations and popular opinion. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 1.10. For I am now seeking, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Serve the needs in front of me with his resources. Uh, Just this week, feeling overwhelmed when one of my children left for school. Overwhelmed with not being able to change their mood before they left for school. And I know as mothers, we can take that on. (laughs) But I tell you, it's causing us, it's, it's causing us to pray. And that is trying to meet the need instead of the mood. There's, we can't just fix all the problems. Servants do more than that. They meet the need. They don't try to make everybody happy all the time. So I think it's just praying that God will give us um, discernment for each of the, the ways that he's called us to serve. Our parents, our neighbors, especially during this time, because we can't be there for everybody, but we can use the resources, his resources, his divine resources, to meet the needs in front of us. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides. Serve with humility and strength and serve for Christ's glory. Everything we do, we do for the glory of Christ. So Peter talked about his humility and servanthood and his apostleship, his authority. So our authority comes for being a follower of Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that it's his power, that it's from him and not from us. Our authority is the word of God, and we set forth his word plainly and in love. My personal experience proves his word. And my personal experience points me back to his word. Just like Peter, my necessity is his grace. His grace comes from his word. His word speaks of his grace. His spirit points me to his grace. The loved ones in my life demonstrate his grace to me. His grace to me is not without effect. And I think that is the real freedom, is when his grace is working through us, 
it's going to be effective. His grace comes to the humble and the weak. And his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. Romans 5.20, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So when I think back to that little 13-year-old, I had wrong thinking. It's by grace that we're saved. Christ came so that we would have a right relationship and enjoy knowing him through his word and not be burdened by his word, but enjoy knowing him through his word. And when we're reading his word, we're not earning points, right? We're not earning a better standing in front of God, but reading his word, we're gaining understanding, more understanding about Christ and what he's done. And then that transfers to us that we learn more about ourselves. God uses ordinary people to show his power, and God speaks to ordinary people through his word. So our takeaways this morning, again, let us rejoice that we have right standing before God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ died for sin once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. So let us rejoice in our right standing before God, but also let us serve the Lord Jesus Christ, who has modeled true servanthood and humility. He is graciously involving us in his mission of reconciliation. John fifteen fifteen says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Let's serve as followers who are indebted to Christ. Again, we're not servants to win his favor. We're servants because just like Paul and Peter, at the end of their lives, there was nothing greater to them than to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a servant was the greatest thing um, proposed to them. And I, I say we start now, right? Let me pray. Gracious Lord Jesus Christ, just so much in your name, so much Peter was trying to convey in those first two verses of Second Peter. All your worth, all your glory, everything you've done on our behalf for our benefit. Lord, we know um, that as you speak, to the nations you speak to us as individuals and you know everything that we're facing right now every need every desire every hope and every dream 
So, Lord, we are just so thankful. We're so thankful to begin a study of your word where we get to take it verse by verse and we get to delve into the truth of your word to see the truth of Jesus Christ. Help it transform our minds. Help it to make a difference where you have us planted. And we um, are just so thankful that we get to meet together every week and study your word and mutually encourage one another. So help us to be authentic in our relationships because we have nothing to hide. We are all um, equal at the foot of the cross. And we glory in your name and We think of just all that's happened this past week. We're so thankful for your protection over us. We pray for those that have been um, so, their lives have been so disrupted by the storm and and the pain that they are facing, Lord. We pray that you would be enough and you would use us to be servants to serve those who are in need. And we pray this um, all for your name. Amen. Thank you all so much.